Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm also pleased to announce we have a special guest, uh, Dr. Uh, Kirk Harris. How's it going? All right, my brother. Excellently. Always good to be uh, with Brother Smarter than myself. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that, man. It means a lot coming from you, man. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I appreciate yeah, well, that. No problem. What do you do and uh, you know, how many kids do you have and what are their ages? Yeah, so, um, well, let me start with my 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 uh, my kids. I, I have three girls, uh, ages 28, 26, and 18, and the 18-year-old is going to be going off to college. I was just sharing with Dr. Young. Uh, before you got on that uh, yeah, I'm looking at Syracuse University. And uh, so she'll be going off to Syracuse University. She's interested in a theater art. So we'll see how that all works out. Um, and my, um, my middle daughter is out now, um, who, who's 26. She's uh, just finishing up her master's at the University of Chicago. Uh, so uh, I'm proud of her. In fact, we're supposed to be going to graduation uh, in about another two weeks uh, for her. So I'm happy about that. So, so she'll be leaving uh, University of Chicago and so will some of my money. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's all good. I ain't mad. I ain't no mad at nobody. She's on a little scholarship, so that helped. And then my eldest daughter is, um, she actually graduated college a few, uh, a few years ago. Uh, the, um St. Louis University actually finished her BA in in um, business and psychology, uh, and she uh, was working. Now she's decided she wants to become a, a culinary uh, artiste, so she's right. actually in culinary school. Uh, so right. you know, you know, unlike unlike old heads like myself, you know, uh, when your parents say, "Okay, you got one shot." Uh, what is it going to be? Uh, my daughter seems to be doing lots of exploration, but I ain't mad at them. You know what I'm saying? It's, that's the way it's supposed to be. They're supposed to find out, find their passion, and they're supposed to follow it. Um, so that's good. And uh, and I'm also a husband of them near 30 years. Uh, 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 my wife, uh, Dr. Sandra Kelly Harris, who uh, I was kidding with her today that um, – you know, like the old people now, we got to make sure these people got work because, uh, <laughs> you know, we may, we may need some help later on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, no, we're, we're very proud of our daughters. And uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that's my, those are my daughters. And uh, I am presently working as a, um, well, you know, I've been in the fatherhood field for over 25 years and uh, started actually working on a program called the Paternal Involvement Demonstration Project, which is one of the first of its kind in the country. And it actually uh, was, uh, I got involved in that program right at the turn of welfare reform under the Clinton administration when we were moving from um, AFD to AFDC to TANF and, um, and got involved just by happenstance. Well, 
maybe it wasn't so much by happenstance because I was deeply involved in a lot of community activities as a, as a function of some of the work that I was doing as a lawyer and, uh, and an academician. And um, that deeply involved in some community work and actually stumbled across this program, this fatherhood program that was just getting started. And it was at a time where uh, I was just having my first child as well. So, and I had a lot of angst about that because, you know, I wasn't raised by my dad. Um, and, uh, you know, what does this whole fatherhood thing mean? You know, what am I supposed to do with this? So in some ways, it's really interesting. I think it was a bit cathartic for me working with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these brothers who were fathers already, who had some struggles in order to realize their, their, their greatest potential as a dad. And so, you know, it kind of just drew me in. And then I started working with um, an organization, uh, helped to start an organization that was working on public policy issues related to one of the largest demonstration programs in the country called the Fragile Family Initiative and got deeply involved in policy, did some work with the Obama administration's domestic policy staff, worked with some of the largest uh, no, well-known uh, fatherhood organizations in the country, and decided after doing all that national work that I wasn't, wanted to come home, so to speak. So came back to Chicago thinking that some of the work that I had been involved with years prior would still be percolating, growing, but surprisingly, nothing really remained of that work. And so a colleague and I, disappointed by what we saw and understanding that the need was still there, decided that we were going to establish an organization called Fathers, Families, and Healthy Communities, which was already kind of percolating as a function of some activities that was being supported by a gentleman, named, uh, Dr. Michael Bennett out of DePaul, who had been convening a group called fathers, families, and healthy communities. But there was no real official organization until we started it about eight years ago. Um, so, uh, and I was, I served as, uh, for the last seven years, I've served as a CEO. But all during that time, I've also held a faculty appointment at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, where I, I teach in a graduate program of urban planning, because uh, my, um, my uh, doctoral degree is actually in urban planning, public policy, and community development. And so people often ask, well, what's the nexus between urban development, uh, urban planning, and community development and your work with fatherhood? And I say that the nexus is family strengthening, because if you don't have strong families, you can't have strong community development, you can't have strong communities. So you got to start where it starts, and it starts at the family. So and I, and, and how I make my make sense of the world and how my work kind of fits together. Okay. Now I want to I want to ask you um, a question about uh, I guess your relationship with your wife. I know that you said that you've been married for thirty three years. Thirty two. I think it'll oh, be, I think it'll be thirty two. Thirty two this uh, August. I think I have to I have to count that up, bro. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't get in trouble on here. <laughs> but uh, I know, I know. congratulations though. Congratulations. So what is thank you. 
for you all, what is like the secret to the longevity in the relationship? Um, well, you know, it's, people, I, th that's a hell of a question to ask because like my wife and I, you know, when you, when you like, I'm a brother from the hood. My, my wife is, um, a, a Jamaican uh, came to the States when she was 18. I met her in college right. uh, and she's, she was kind of the prim and proper uh, one and I'm a dude from the hood. And so, you know, it's like, it's almost like, how did that happen? Right. Uh, and I think because we do share common values, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, um, you know, respect, believing in education, believing in um, being and supporting, being in community, supporting your community. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, and I think it also starts with friendship. Uh, I think, mm -hmm. we, you know, started off as friends and that always, uh, I think is a, is a, is a jumping off point for much more, a more romantic set of relationships. And so I think, uh, and, and then, you know, we, we began when both of us didn't have anything, right? We, uh, we kind of built something together. And I think that kind of binds you together as well. Mm -hmm. When you start off and you don't have, and you struggle and you struggle together and you, and you realize some modicum of success as a function of that. And you, um, you know, you keep going at it. And then of course we had, our daughters, our daughters who are beautiful and and women in and of their own right, and we get to watch their development and growth and the amazing people that they've um, you know growing into their own. Uh, so I think it's just it's kind of one of those organic things that you can't exactly put your finger on, uh -huh. but you know it's a combination of those things. You know, that's cool. So. Um... Like we, you talked about your daughters, you said they're 28, 26, and 18, right? That's right. So That's when right. they when they were little, what did you um, envision them becoming? Oh, my gosh. You know, I really didn't. I would, my, oh, the only one that I really had a specific vision for was my eldest daughter, mm -hmm. because I remember her waking up on Sunday morning uh, turning on the TV, watching uh, the baby show because she likes seeing babies being born. So I thought she was going to be a doctor, right? She okay. loved it. <laughs> she, would, she would just turn, I mean, she would just sit in front of this TV and watch all these babies being born. So I thought she was going to be a doctor. And she actually did start off in pre-med and, and, um, and school and undergrad, but it wasn't, it wasn't her path. It wasn't her, it really wasn't her passion. And uh, so I really didn't have any, you know, for my other daughters, but I have to say what I realized, uh, you know, in my father journey is that we got to let them be who they are. We can't assign them what we want them to be because ultimately the way they become happy is identifying what their passion is and following it. Um, you know, I I know, um, I remember when I was in school, you know, raised by a single mother who was very much in the healthcare. And I think she, she definitely wanted me to be a doctor, but that wasn't my, you know, I, I initially, again, like my daughter, I initially, initially 
started on that track, but it just wasn't my, I couldn't get past organic chemistry, you know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, it wasn't my thing. Uh, you know, so, well, I did get past it, but not very good. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, you know, I think just, just what, I, what I'm increasingly appreciating in watching my daughters develop is recognizing and supporting their passion and allowing that to grow and, and develop unfeathered and um, and allow them to follow their path as they as they discern it and I think that's the that's in, in, in encouraging them in that and I think that's the best we can do as parents mm-hmm. less judgmental I mean when my 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 youngest daughter who wanted to go to theater arts and musical theater I said baby you you're gonna star you know, it's rough out there. You know, you got to be excellent. You know, you can't be no, you can't just be half-stepping. You got to be a good singer. You got to be a good dancer. You got to be a good actor. You got to have all of that going on, right? Yeah. And so what I realized is that, is that, well, you know, if that's what the path that she wants to pursue and what I discovered when she went pursuing this is as a, as a college focus she did all the research all the focus on her so, i mean like unlike our other daughters we spend a lot of time and look helping them identify their undergraduate college she did all that work herself because she knew what she wanted to do she know she knew what she wanted it to look like and she was passionate about it and it's and it's it's at that level that you can't there's no way in hell you can deter somebody from uh that kind of commitment and passion. And, you know, and she's very disciplined too. She's a hard, hard working 18 year old. Uh, that's cool. So, that's you know, I just say, hey, you know, if that's what you want to do, if, you, if you're going at it like this, you will likely be very successful. So yeah. maybe unlike your dad, you know, maybe you'll be making some money. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned, uh, you're being raised by a single mother. Uh, what was your relationship like with your dad? Well, yeah, I actually, uh, I really didn't have a really a strong relationship with my father growing up. In fact, I didn't really meet him um, until I was almost graduated from college. Hmm. Of course, you can only imagine what my mother said uh, when I when I met him almost when I was finished college, it said, why, it's like, why are you showing up now? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I won't get to that story, but, uh, the, uh, so, but, you know, and, but we did have, after I met him, you know, in my, as an adult, uh, you know, we had a, 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 a cordial and friendly relationship, you know, like we, uh, you know, he was living in Florida and my wife's Families also in Florida, so when we were down there, I always bring the kids over, and you know we hang out a little bit and have dinner with him and his wife and uh, that kind of thing. So you know it was cordial, and we you know occasionally called and spoke with one another, but I wouldn't say it was a deep, uh, meaningfully uh, supportive relationship. It was a cordial. Uh, friendly and uh, engaged, you know, gauged relationship, uh, you know, and, um, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I, I think I let go of a lot of the uh, stuff that I think 
you know, as you become an adult and you reflect back on what your life might have been if your dad had been in your life in a different way, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, but, you know, I figured, you know, I didn't end up too bad, but, but one of the things that, you know, we always, uh, you know, and it's really interesting because my father was an athlete. And so, you know, I remember sometime in the course of his relationship, uh, relationship, he was saying, yeah, I thought my son was going to be an athlete. I thought he was going to like be in the sports and stuff like that. Well, I said, well, I didn't have anybody to support me in that kind of thing. So I wasn't engaged in sports. So I'd be like, why are you saying that? If your ass had been there, maybe I wouldn't have been an athlete, you know? So, uh, excuse my expression, but, but, but that said, um, you know, I think the, um, you know, I think that he, he, he and my relationship were pr- was pretty good, and we had an understanding. And 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 I know, uh, you know, I know the struggles that you know we as individuals go through. We're in, we're not perfect. We're imperfect. And he had his struggles. My mom had her struggles, and and they just couldn't, uh, you know. But one of the things that I do say is that really interesting that my grandfather who who was uh, uh, his father I, I, I was very close to. I was extremely close to my grandfather. Oh, he got bad internet connection. Yes, he uh, chopping out, chopping up on him. You there? Yeah, yeah we're here. Okay. So I was that uh, one of the issues that I had with my dad is that when my granddad was dying, um, he really asked me if I could facilitate my dad coming to see him. And I tried to do that. um, And my dad wouldn't go. And of course, I'll never forgive my dad for that because uh, my dad wasn't in my life and I didn't throw him, I didn't throw him to the curb. And I just felt he wasn't, uh, he wasn't being reasonable and fair and uh, and understanding. And so, you know, I, I got to be, I have to admit, I have some struggles with my, with my father uh, in there in, 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 in many ways, you know, uh, but I appreciated him as a human being and understood his trials and, and travails and, and, you know, just chalked it up to all of us have our, have our cross to bear and uh, all of us have our challenges and we have to figure out how to make, make the best of it. And, and, you know, I think as I reflect on my own fathering experience, I realize that it's really to be a father, you evolve, you're evolving all the time, that your kids need different things at different stages of their life, and and you serve different functions at different stages of their life. And, and um, you know, I remember when I was uh, in my early parts of my career, I didn't do, I don't think I was very good. Uh, quite frankly, I don't because I was working all the time. I was I was running across the country, and it was just crazy hours, and I wasn't seeing them much. 
My wife was shouldering a lot of that responsibility. And that's not what should be happening, right? And and I think partly, um, you know, I fell into the old uh, story, even as someone who's working in fatherhood, who should know better, but we don't know better, is that it ain't just about being provider, right? It's about being a nurturer, carer, uh, supporter, and, and being present. And that's what really they remember. They don't, re- they don't, they don't remember how much money you done bought into the damn house. Uh, what they remember is the time you spent with them and, and how they felt when they were sitting on your lap and how much, what y'all did when y'all was watching TV or cutting up together. That's what they remember. Uh, so, you know, as I, as I got older and I had the opportunity to make some changes, uh, that's what I did. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a journey. Uh, fathering is a journey and we, we, as long as we're open to learning and correcting our mistakes and moving forward, that's really what it's about. And I think our, our children appreciate it, appreciate, appreciate us for that. You know. What would you say um, impacted you the most um, in regards to your dad not being there? Or how, how did that uh, affect you as a father? Like you wanted to be in the father yourself. Well, it just it just made me know that I didn't want to be absent. Uh, uh, I didn't want to be my. I wanted my like crazy hours. At least I was home um, on the weekends and there with them um, and, and finally realized that it's not just being physically present. You have to be emotionally and, uh, and, um, and, and in the moment, right? Not so preoccupied with everything else. And, and so increasingly as I got older, I learned to be more of that. Um, and, uh, and I think now that they've gotten older, uh, recognizing that uh, some of that investment in being present, you know, allows them, you know, to come seek your advice and and support and when they need it. And so that's really, I think, what it's about. So is your dad still around? Is he still alive? No, he passed away. He passed away, oh, probably five years ago, about five or six years ago. Okay. Did you all ever have like the discussion about him not being around and like how you felt about that? Yeah, we had, we did have that discussion. And basically, you know, he, his claim was that, you know, my mother didn't want him around and he didn't see how that could work around and he tried to visit and didn't work out. And so, you know, all of that. So we, we did have that discussion, but I, I found, I, you know, and again, me as an adult, and actually at that point in my life, uh, when we had the discussion, uh, uh, you know, it was like, well, it seemed like you didn't try hard enough. <laughs> you know? uh, at least that's how, because it didn't seem, because like, a lot of the, the rationale that he wasn't giving me didn't seem all that, all that plausible or all that powerful. So, uh, yeah. you know, you know, I, so, I, you know, but, I, you know, I don't want to make judgments, but I, I, you know, this was just the way I felt, quite frankly, just the way I felt, you know, so, but I didn't have to go there at that point, because whatever, 
whatever um, resentment or whatever existed didn't exist anymore. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really need the rationalization, you know? Yeah. So do you think like that, um, I guess you're not really having a close relationship with your father that makes you want to work harder for other fathers? Like, uh, I think so. I think, I think, yeah, I think the way I think, I think that's a really interesting way that you you just posed that because I think what I I realized when I first was first becoming a father, what I was saying to myself when I was working with some of these dads in various communities, I was saying, look at all the challenges that these brothers are having, and look at uh, the desire that they have to be a dad and be involved you don't have nowhere near the kinds of challenges, whether it be economic, educational, employment, you don't have any of those damn challenges. What the hell are you complaining about, right? And so, and, and, I'm, and, and it also says, well, let's, for those dads, let's figure out how to remove those barriers so that they can do exactly what they want to do because so many, so, so, so much of the system is premised on the idea that they don't want to be engaged when in fact they do and there's just lots of things getting in the way. And so yeah. um, uh, it just, it, it did make me be much more reflective of my own circumstance. It made me much more reflective of the way in which we should be, the, the narrative is so counter to what many of the fathers are actually wanting to, to achieve in terms of their role as the as a as a as a you know as a father in the lives of their children, and that I could play some role in trying to facilitate those connections, either through direct service work or through public institutional change. That's what I want to do because those things should not be way of a father and a child, and a, and for that matter, it, it allowing for a much more supportive relationship between moms and dads whether they're romantically involved or not, to be mutually supportive of one another and mutually supportive of their children or child. Yeah, I think that's very important. Um, what would you say, because um, you've been pretty much a dad for three decades. <laughs> that's a long time. Uh, what would you say is, uh, has been your biggest challenge with, uh, with being a dad and uh, how, how did you overcome that? Yeah, I think my biggest challenge that I had to learn is saying I'm a mistake. Mm. Saying I was wrong. Um, uh, and that, that's frustrating. Uh, because your children appreciate that you're human and they appreciate that you recognize and are willing to be self-reflective. And you, when you make and that allows them to you then they realize that that allows, gives them permission to say they've made a mistake. So I think that's one of the learnings uh, uh, of being a dad and trying to, and then, you know, just always trying to figure out ways to support them. And, you know, we all got our quirks and, and, uh, and, um, I tell it, they say I always tell the same jokes over and over again, expecting to be funny. Uh, but so they keep, they say they put up with me with that kind of stuff and, and I appreciate it. But, you know, at the same time, uh, I realized that they actually want that. Like the, the, the crazy joke that I tell over and over again, 
It's something that they actually looking forward to that they want. Because I, I remember one time my daughter came in, I was really having a really bad day. And I wasn't telling those jokes. He said, Dad, what's the matter? You ain't, you're not saying that stuff. I said, oh, oh. So I realized that, you know, that creates an expectation and a sense of security also in their world, even as adults, that, that you're present and that that spirit is, is still there with them. And so I really do recognize the importance of, uh, you know, of that and, um, and wanting to uphold that. And, 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 and like I said, sometimes it's just, it's just being present. So like, I guess this is a follow-up question to what Royce has asked. Um, what is your most precious, precious memory of those 28 years of you being a dad? Well, I think the most precious, you know, memories is that when they, the, each of my daughters go through milestones, they've also all gone through various milestones and watching them conquer those things. But in some ways, the, some of the precious moments are the moments when uh, they were so small and uh, I used to set them on my chest and we used to fall asleep on Sundays Mm. And everybody bitches sleep on the couch and they sitting on my chest. Those are some of my precious memories or when I'm rocking them in the chair because I, I had this practice of with my daughters, particularly um, my, uh, my eldest daughter uh, was a, like a rough, she didn't go to sleep very good as a baby. So I'd rock her quite frequently and sing her this song. And I, those are the things that you kind of, you never forget, you know. Uh, what, what was the song? Uh, Ain't No Sunshine When You're Gone. Uh, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Ain't No Sunshine When You're Gone. They still, they still remember that to this day. Uh, so it's like those things, you know, just, you know, those things that you realize aren't etched, uh, that, uh, that you don't realize are etched in their memory and their history and, and you're part of that. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's something else, something else. Yeah, you, uh, you mentioned, uh, like all your daughters are pretty much college educated. Uh, how did you, uh, stress the importance of education, like with them growing up? Well, I think, uh, my wife and I modeled that, uh, you know, because, um, you know, I'm an educator and my wife, uh, we we always valued and talked about the the, the importance of education. Um, I'm a uh, you know um, you know I remember um, uh, when I when I, I remember when I graduated law school uh, and um, I was thinking about doing doctoral work. My family was looking at me because you know a lot of families they look at you like why you want to go do that. Like, why you want to go do that other thing when you got this right here? <laughs> it's because it's it's the kind of this it's this curiosity. It's like this desire to know and understand and be broader than you were, you know. And and I think that's one of the values that my wife and I share. Uh, I think not. I think I know. And you know, my wife has her, her PhD, and she has uh she's she is uh, extremely committed has always been committed to creating high expectations like myself for my daughter so 
so he, there was never ever ever any uh discussion i mean we had to have no discussion of you going do you want to go to college or you want to do this or do that you want to continue your education that we never had that discussion because everybody knew in this household you you're going to do something to make sure that you're well informed that you're well educated and that you can sustain yourself in this crazy world um and it's important that you be fully functional, well-educated and, uh, and informed. And, and, and we've always uh, pushed that. And I think we tried to model it uh, out of our own experiences. And I also think that my daughters, um, uh, even though we had very high expectations for them, they've met those high expectations. I, I, all of them are pretty are high achievers pretty much. Uh, and um, and so that makes me feel pretty proud because then I know I don't have to worry about their ability to take care of themselves. Uh, you know. That's cool. Um, so who, if you could name like three people who you, well, three fathers or three men who you look up to or who've inspired you over the years, who would they be? My grandfather. Definitely be would be one because my grandfather came to the states uh, at the age of 15 years old with the, with the uh, through Ellis Island with the with the clothes on his back sure. and um, and did uh, and, and drove a taxi in New York without a driver's license. <laughs> uh, was a drummer for Famous Monk. Worked for the. Uh, the uh, work for the New York Transit Authority for many years from where he retired, uh, made a good living for himself, uh, was a butcher. I mean, he's done all kinds of things, you know, and I, it's just that, uh, you know, that, that amazing like work ethic and uh, commitment to, to making it happen, you know, uh, and uh, I was always, I've always been impressed uh, by that. I mean, that was really uh, the image that he sent to me, which I think I, I kind of fully embraced and adopted uh, because I've never, I mean, in my own life, I never have just one enterprise going. I got three or four of them going, you know? And I think that's a function of the way I see the world and the way, you know, you gotta, unless there's action, unless you got movement, there ain't gonna be no action. And so, uh, very much committed to that. So I would say my grandfather would be one. Um, I would say, um, you know, um, Malcolm X. Uh, mm. I know many people don't think, I guess they don't, the first thing they don't think about Malcolm X is they think about his father, but of course he was a father. But, uh, but I think you know, and, and MLK, uh, the, this kind of um, freedom fighters, uh, social justice crusaders in their own right and sacrificing family and themselves to improve the world for the generations to follow. And um, I mean, that and, and they made the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, so for me, um, you know, I always believe that 
and, and I would say, you know, that, you know, my responsibility is to kind of, to, to the extent I can live up to the legacy uh, uh, of my grandfather, but also to live up to the, to the legacy of uh, warriors like, like Dr. King and like, uh, and like Malcolm X, because because that 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 that's something we should all be contributing to. We should be contributing to that power, authority, and uh, commitment to change um, and uh, and making it happen not only for our families but for everybody else's families. And so I would say yeah, those are the, the fathers that I kind of look up to. That's good. Who would you say, um, out of your three daughters, which one is most like you? And oh, why? my eldest for sure. Oh, my <laughs> uh, she and I can get into it every once in a while. She's uh, she's quirky, creative, smart as hell, and um, and uh, very emotional. Uh, uh, so I'd say she was much, she's more like me. My middle daughter is more like my wife, steady, uh, focused, a little edgy. Uh, uh, and then my youngest, as I would say, is a combination of my, of my two other daughters. Like my youngest is focused, edgy, emotional but creative so it's a kind of you know i, I guess you know it's, I, you know they always say whether it's um nature or nurture i think it's i don't know but it they they all kind of got all this stuff mixed up you know up in there um uh so but i would say my my eldest is probably more like more like me that's great um I, I do the dad jokes too with my kids, so uh, <laughs> I think um, my youngest is most like me in regards to that. She laughs at them a lot more than my other two kids do. <laughs> you got to have a few dad jokes in the, in the, in the tuck, though, I think. I think that's yeah, a, yeah, an important yeah. skill. Or, or you, you know, you say the same thing, try to say the same thing that's supposed to be funny. If it ain't funny after you said it a million times, and they keep reminding me that it can't be funny after you say it a million times, you know. Yeah, but you still say it anyway. They say it. <laughs> uh, exactly. So what's, what's your best dad joke? Oh, yeah, give it to us. Uh, well, it's it's really it's not a joke in and of itself. It's the way I interact with my daughter. So, for example, uh, my my uh, middle daughter, who's just graduating from UFC, uh, she she was writing a resume, right? And um, so she's in the clinical social work program at UFC, and on her resume she had uh, she had a three point nine. Uh, out of four, and I said, "Hey, honey, I think you got a typo on here." <laughs> oh, oh no, no! Who did you bribe to get that, Dad? You say that joke every time. <laughs> I work hard, Dad. <laughs> so it's not necessarily a joke. It's just the way 
I interact with them and some of the things that I say, or I'm always telling them, you, you people need to get jobs. Y'all need to get off my payroll, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and they'd be cracking up. It's like, what? We didn't tell you to have children. That's the cost of having children. I said, I got a cost for y'all. It's called getting a job and paying some rent. That's cost. <laughs> so that kind of thing, you know. But I'm joking. They know I'm lovingly joking with them. Kind of. No. <laughs> no I'm joking. All right. So uh, I know we're getting close to time, and I know that you say you've been up since 445. So yeah. uh, I, I have one last uh, question for you. Sure. Uh, if you can give advice to a young father or some someone just starting out, uh, what would it be? Be present. Mm. Be undeterred. Uh, think of yourself. Um, no matter what your circumstances, think think beyond what you might be able to give to your children financially. Think about what you can give to them emotionally. What can you give to them in terms of their physical support and care? What can you give to them in terms of love and knowing that you're there and, and sharing time with them? And remember, that's the most important thing. That's the thing they'll, they'll never forget. And, and, and remember that as men, we're always pressured to believe that our greatest and most important role is that of being a provider and bringing resources into the household. That's not something I want to diminish or saying that it's not important, but when it trumps your ability to be present and to be emotionally engaged and supportive and, uh, and physically caring of your child, uh, it, it's a problem. And so I think we have to not buy into often the stereotypes of what men are and what they do and and really open ourselves up to the possibilities and and receiving our kids as they are that's the other thing recognizing that they all have different gifts and talents and what may want them to be may be what they want to be or turn out to be and but but we have to recognize those gifts and talents and try to, to support them and then uh, the other thing is is to, you know, in terms of modeling the kind of behavior, because I have daughters and I want to model the kind of behavior that they should expect if they get in a, when they get in relationships with men, that, that those relationships should be respectful. They should be equal. Uh, they should be, um, you know, loving and they should be supportive and anything contrary to that uh, I, so I try to model that. So not anything contrary to that is something that's foreign to them and unacceptable. Uh, so that's a little, little bit of advice. Well, that's good. Cause I was going to ask you about like, um, do you give your daughter's advice on dating? I mean, but, uh, yeah, well, they don't allow me to do that, but, but <laughs> okay. they, they don't allow me to give them advice like that. But, but, but I say stuff like this: don't bring in no knuckleheads up in here. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Uh, and they know what I mean by that. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, and you know, I'm kind of halfway kidding and halfway not kidding. 
but the point is, is that, you know, uh, what I'm saying to them is they should have, some, they should have high expectations for themselves. They should have high expectations for the individuals they, uh, that they do uh, connect with uh, and that, and that and ensure that there is respect and love and caring and mutuality because that's the only way relationships last and work. And I'm hoping that my wife and I model that to some, some degree. Good. Yeah, that's a it's a good way of looking at things. <laughs> I'm uh I'm thinking about the conversations I'm gonna have with my my daughter when she gets older. It's uh it's gonna be crazy. I can only imagine. Well, you know, and I think kids today are exposed to so much more than we were. Well, let me say I was. Uh, uh, since and uh. uh you know, and they they have so much more access, really, to the world. Uh, so, in that sense, I think they're more informed, but they're also more distracted and also more, um, in some ways, vulnerable because there's just so much going on. Um, uh, so, you know, advising them in terms of their own care and safety and uh, sensibilities uh, is so important. In this in this crazy world, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of the last thing I want to leave off, leave off is uh, leave off on is uh, I asked you a question uh, when you booked the call. Uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And Dr. Kirk, you said fatherhood is all about family strengthening and family support from my perspective. Right. Exactly. 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 And and you know I'm a I'm I'm a way back family support guy, meaning that at the heart of uh, any good community is this idea that all families matter, all family members matter, and if we strengthen family members, if we strengthen fathers, if we strengthen mothers, if we strengthen extended families, then outcomes for children are going to be better. And and I think what is motivating me now in this this portion of my career, uh, which is probably at least probably closer to one of the last stages of my career, is the idea that we should create institutions and we should create policies that support those kind of outcomes. And too many of our policies are not supporting, um, uh, supporting healthy, uh, productive, and thriving relationships amongst uh, uh, communities of color. We've got too many systems that are undermining black men. Uh, we don't need to even talk about what that means, uh, given given the history uh, and given the more recent present. Uh, and and we got to recognize that that we've got to uh, to to find ways of organizing ourselves to to against the common enemy. And I think that common enemy is uh, kind of this fragmentation of us as a people and as families and recognize that our greatest strength is recognizing the cultural power and the collective wisdom and togetherness that drives what it means to be uh, black in America and a black family member in America. I mean, mm. because even, even, you know, one of the most powerful things uh, that I think we have, and I don't, I think we underestimate is, you know, when, when you walking by somebody in the street and you say, Hey bro, Hey brother, how you doing today? You know, that, that, when you say brother, 
when you say how you doing today, there's a connection that you may you may not know that damn person from whomever, but you know that your roots run deep. That somewhere somehow y'all are connected, right? And uh, and mm -hmm. I think that's what we need to build on as a people, and uh, and we need to grow that. And I think uh, increasingly there's a recognition of that. And I think as we struggle against these large, larger systems of inequality and racism, uh, that's what we're gonna have to draw on. And, and, and I think the young people get it. Uh, I mean, this whole Black Lives Matter and the ability to organize people, not only nationally, but internationally, globally, is a powerful force. And um, uh, we, we need to understand what the lessons are to gather from that, so. You know, that's a great point you made about um, like seeing somebody in the street and saying, what's up, brother? Like um, in the area that I live in, it's not too many of us. But mm -hmm. like if I'm at the grocery store, if I, you know, see somebody that's <laughs> just mm -hmm. randomly, I always try to make eye contact and like give them the nod to be like, you know, what's right. up? Right. And, um, exactly. it, yeah. And if they don't look at me, I'll be I'll be thinking like, what's wrong with this dude? <laughs> <laughs> well, not a, so, well, not all of us are ready, you know. Not all of us are ready, and not all of us are open, and we we got to understand that too. But but that's the opportunity, right? That's the challenge and the opportunity, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I want to definitely be respectful of your time unless you get some get some rest tonight, Dr. Kirk. Uh, was there anything else you want to, uh, to well, plug to the people? I just want to just thank you, brothers, for doing what you do and getting the voices out there about the power of fathers and the importance of that of that uh, kind of that element in our community, and um, and just say that uh, the, what I think one of the things that has been a, a gap in a lot of the work that we do around fatherhood is changing a lot of the institutions that are working with moms and kids that don't necessarily embrace fathers. And if we can break through that, because there's a whole social, a social infrastructure, social service infrastructure, uh, which is kind of continuing to cultivate this idea that we got moms and kids on one side of the equation and we got fathers on the other side of the equation. And uh, we need to break down those uh, silos. And I think the work going forward is to figure out how we do that, both in reforming the narrative uh, that relates to fathers and, and who we are and what we do and, and our asset that we bring to both families and communities, but also recognizing that, uh, that women and children need and want us. And often systems are mitigating against that uh and uh and working to transform that reality so i know that's uh, that's a, hot, a whole lot of philosophical mumbo jumbo but it's all to say that you know unless we begin to change the systems that have historically uh kind of undermined our ability to be the strong people and families that we we are and we we're so resilient and recognize we build on that resilience by continuing to knock to knock out those uh, pieces of the infrastructure that are not supporting us, uh, that's what we need to do. So with that, I just say thank you, brothers, for uh, all that you do and uh, the wisdom that you 
that you that you lay out there and thank you for the old man giving the old man the opportunity and a platform to to ramble on no thank you thank you we appreciate you for uh yeah definitely definitely appreciate you now if you had to uh tell people where to contact you at where would you send them uh they can give me a holler uh they can go to my website which is uh i can put that in the chat I got uh, uh, Pactia. Am I saying that right? Yeah, it's PacLawCenter.org, a Parent and Community Technology and Law Center. Yep. Parent and Community Technology and Law Center. And also my email is dr is in Dr. K-E Harris at P-A-C-T Law, L-A-W, abbreviated center, C-N-T-R dot org. That's my email. And then yeah, they can always hit a brother up. So thank you, brother. Thank you for that, man. Thank you for your candor. Uh, thank you for, uh, you know, sharing your wisdom. Uh, you know, because uh, I think uh, we got a lot from this episode. Uh, a lot of things we could take away. Right. Uh, well, I appreciate so, that. Thank you for the opportunity. Dr. Ryan, you had anything else? Oh, no, I'll just, um, just say thank you again. We appreciate you. Well, we appreciate y'all, and y'all keep keep doing what you do. And we, oh, you sure. know, we we got work to do. We 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 got our partnership to push forward. Hey, Doctor Young, you didn't you didn't tell me whether you was uh, available on the second and eight, but I assumed you were. You just was quiet. Uh, yeah, I should be through. Um, what are you talking about? It was a uh, invite. We were talking about the meeting we were going to have on June second remember? And we were going to have it at seven, but I sent an email out saying I had a conflict and needed to be six or eight and everybody answered except you. Oh, I must not see it. Um, what's the second, the Wednesday? Uh, Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. It's when we were going to have the second, the follow-up meeting. Oh but yeah, that works. Yeah. That should be fine. Okay. Well, I said, I said, I sent it back out. So you got the, uh, you got all the information on the, uh, the, you know, the Zoom link uh, that I sent originally for the 7 o'clock this is day one. And we'll see you then. Alright, cool. Yeah. Alright, for sure. Alright, brothers. Yeah. For myself, Sir Royce Brialis, for Dr. Raheem Young, and for Dr. Kirk, thanks again for listening to WTF Interviews. Stay tuned for further announcements. Bet. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening to WTF Interviews. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us via our website, wtfatherhood.org. Also, our Facebook page and our Facebook group will be listed in the description below as well. Uh, I ask you to leave a a review as it helps more people receive the message. And uh, again, until next time, be well. You already are.